Hello once again, everybody. I am the Common Sense American, and it is time to talk about something critically important, and of course I'm talking about the presidential election coming up in November. And what I'm about to say, I freely admit I could be completely wrong. I hope I am. Uh, I've been wrong in the past. Unlike a Democrat, I can admit when I'm wrong, and I have been wrong. For example, uh, one of my picks which uh, crashed and burned was I believed that Bernie Sanders would uh, ultimately claim the Democrat nomination for president. I was wrong. Now, in my defense, at the time that I had made this selection early in the year, uh, Biden very much was seen as a more moderate candidate at that particular moment in time. The entire country was pushing hard for socialism. Bernie had made a big surge in the polls. And I uh, I just, the bottom line is, I didn't think Biden was left enough. He was not radical enough for the current Democrat Party. But, lo and behold, they just pushed him farther left. I didn't realize just how willing he would be to parrot everything that came his way, and now he's just as bad as Sanders, as far as I'm concerned. And they're perfectly willing to give him the nomination because they know they can manipulate him. They know they can make him as far left as they want to make him, which they have done. However, I was wrong. So me saying this, I could be wrong again. Um, but I am going to say this because I, I think it's important. Maybe, maybe it'll prompt some of you to go to the polls. Maybe it'll prompt you to tell others to get to the polls and, and try and save this country uh, from the Democrat insanity. But at this point in time, I don't see how Donald Trump can be reelected. I know a lot of you are sort of screaming at your monitors right now saying, you know, the polls are crap and they always were and Hillary was ahead at this time too and everyone said she was going to win and uh, the silent majority uh, will step up and all that. Well, let me address a few things here. Uh, first of all, in 2016, yes, Hillary was seen as leading and I don't think Trump led any poll at all. Uh, however, the gap that is now building between Biden and Trump is bigger than I think it ever was between Hillary and, and Trump. I checked some of the major polls in 2016, uh, Rasmussen and, and places like that, and uh, at no point I don't think Hillary held more than a 12 or 14 point lead, and I think Biden's hovering around 16 right now, depending on which poll you look at. Uh, obviously, different polls will tell you wildly different things, but I, we're seeing a much bigger swing and a much faster swing. Uh, it was very close between Biden and Trump a few months ago. It was probably only a few points difference, four, five, six, maybe. Uh, that has ballooned drastically, and that never really happened. Uh, Hillary always had the lead, and, in, and sometimes she did a very big lead, uh, but I don't think it was ever as big as this, and it was never uh, just a month before the election. It was never such a massive uh, swing. Um, uh, and, and the other thing to remember is that a few things about 2016. First... There were a lot, of, a lot of people, especially women, which they never talked about, that really didn't like Hillary. They didn't like her. My mother hated her. Now, yes, my mother is a conservative. However, uh, she would love to see a woman in the White House, uh, and she, but she loathes that woman. And I know a lot of moderates and even Democrats who absolutely hated her. Um, and she, you couldn't believe a word out of that woman's mouth. I mean, she lied every four seconds. And, and at the time, things were not as crazy as they are now. Democrats were not as militant and radical as they are now. I know it's only four years, but I think there's a significant difference. There were a lot of Democrats that simply, they just didn't vote. Uh, they, they weren't going to vote for Trump, but they also weren't going to give Hillary 
their vote either. And that is something I think we're, we're forgetting. She was really not well-liked, despite what the media tried to tell you. Uh, and even even in some cases, we I go back to 16, and I find lots of articles that question Hillary's ability to lead a country and her uh, penchant for distorting the truth. And um, she was not particularly likable in general. She does not have a likable personality to a, a lot of people. Um, and I think we have to remember that. The other thing to remember is that at the time, really nobody, including the media, really thought Trump was much of a threat. You know, they really thought he had no chance. Uh, he was more of a buffoon and a clown and someone to be mocked, but he certainly wasn't going to be much of a threat. He couldn't possibly get in the White House. You know, that's why the, the victory was such a massive shock, especially to the media and to leftists, because they just believed it was, it was impossible. No matter how much Clinton was like, she'd still win. It was just a matter of how, by how much. And when she didn't, it was sort of like, you know, a, a war cry all of a sudden to the Democrats. And that's when it really started to the, the smear campaign against Trump. I'm not saying there wasn't a smear campaign during his run to the White House. What I'm saying is it really did not kick into full overdrive until he got elected. Uh, the level of hostility and hate is, was a fraction of what it is right now. And I don't think anybody can dispute that. It was there, but it's not where it is now. And the other thing is that the, the three pillars of power, which I often speak about, and the government is not included in that because they do not have the influence that these three pillars of power have over this country, which is the media, the education system, and the entertainment industry. Those three things have far more power over people and the vote than anybody in, in politics has. Um, and it was not, it, yes, they were pretty much all against Trump and all for Hillary then too, but it was nowhere near this level of coordinated hatred uh, every day. Uh, just a mass smear campaign throughout all those pillars of power. We, you know, by when once Trump got elected, we started to see, you know, entire television shows and movies and, and things of this nature where Trump wasn't, the president wasn't merely mocked and maligned a little bit. Like, you know, that always happened. You know, SNL would always do little skits that would mock the president, but nothing to what was coming. And the media's shift in how they treated him. Uh, yes, before it was, oh, he's just really, this guy's, you know, kind of a buffoon and a loser and he's not going to win and he's just a joke. That shifted as soon as he got into power to now he's evil. And we're going to make you all believe that he's evil. We're going to make you believe that he's racist. We're going to make you believe that he's xenophobic, that he's a tyrant. Now, there isn't a single solitary uh, executive action or a piece of legislation that was passed during his tenure that supports that in any way, ever. I can run you uh, two dozen clips on Trump saying, uh, how much we do need immigration in this country, not illegal immigration. The only thing he's ever been against is illegal immigration. All he's ever really done is enforce existing laws. He hasn't even passed any new ones, really. He's just strengthened what was already on the books. It reminds me very much of what Giuliani did, what Mayor Rudy Giuliani did to clean up uh, New York in the 90s. Uh, if you ask him, he'll say, and he said this several times, I didn't really enforce or, or uh, pass a lot of new laws. I didn't do that. I just enforced the ones we had, which we weren't doing. And that's really all Trump did. And you, you, you can see the influence of Giuliani in that, in Trump's uh, actions. That's really all he's been doing. Saying, look, if we have 
immigration laws. We, we're supposed to follow them. We're not just flat out ignore them like the like the Obama campaign or in, administration did, which is what they did. They ignored them flat out. And we've, we reached the point where they don't want citizenship anymore. They don't want any immigration status anymore. Everyone just come here and everything will be hunky-dory, which we know can't work. And the only thing that Trump has been railing against, he's never said anything about keeping everybody out. He's never said anything against racial groups. In fact, he has done everything he can to support them, which is why we have so many minorities that actually do support Trump, again, despite what the media will tell you. There are a lot of blacks who vote for Trump. There are a lot of Latinos who vote for Trump. There are a lot of Asian Americans who vote for Trump. There's a reason for that. Um, however, all this being said, you have to realize where we are after four years of this endless rhetoric from all three pillars of society where they are repeating and mimicking the same message. There is no ambiguity. There is no question. Bottom line is he's evil and he has to go, and if you vote for him, you're a bad person. And that is really the message they have been sending for four years, and it's taking hold. Now, even, even then, even then, I would have said that Trump had a chance, that he has a good chance of beating Biden. But uh, with uh, the two major catalysts this year that I think sealed his fate, one being the George Floyd incident and everything that happened after that, more issues with the police and... Um, uh, all the now all the police are racist and and just power hungry authoritarianism. That's all that is, and they're a reflection of the Trump. You you knew that as soon as this happened, they were somehow going to blame Trump because you know he hates black people. So that was going to be that was going to be extension of that, and it was going to be pounded down our throats, and that's what happened. And it's hard to recover from that, no matter what the truth is, because we don't care what the truth is. The three pillars of power, especially the media, have no interest in the truth. They simply want to pass a narrative. And it's easy to do when you have all this rioting and protesting. All they have to do is point to it and say, see, see, this is what Trump has wrought. And you combine that with COVID, uh, which, again, I, when it first broke, it was February-ish, I said, uh, they're going to find a way to blame Trump for this. Now, at the time, there was really, they weren't, no one was connecting it to Trump. No one was connecting anything but China because, yeah, that's where it came from. And it had nothing to do with the presidency. It had nothing to do with anything on Capitol Hill. It was not, nothing to do with anything. It was a disease. It was a virus. And it was coming here. And But they were going to blame Trump. I don't know how. I wasn't sure how. But I knew they were going to blame Trump. And it took hold in the form of, well, he's going to, instead of him playing the fear-mongering role, instead of him adopting the media message, which everybody needs to crawl into a hole and scream and cry, and, uh, you know, every single message, you, you will note that the, that the biggest headlines were the biggest swings in, in uh, negative news. You know, the more cases, the bigger the headlines. The more deaths, the bigger the headlines. Uh, the, the recovery, the fact that New York, for example, called in a giant Navy ship to help deal with the sick that nobody was on, or the extra beds that pretty much, I think it was 95% of the hospitals in this country didn't need and had to send back, that was a little blip on the radar. That was a tiny little story, if it ran at all, on page 14 in the Wednesday paper. Front page, Sunday paper, top story of the day at CNN, only happens when there's bad things. Because they push the fear narrative. They know that gets attention. They know that gets them views and, and, uh, and subscriptions and all that. They know this. They know that it basically saves their jobs. They know it gets them attention. That's really all that matters. All they care about is attention. They're just, they're attention whores. That's all they've become. They're not journalists. 
And one could argue that they have to be to keep their jobs. Um, but that's all it was. And that's all it is. That's all it is. Nothing to do with giving the statistics. It's why on the front page of my paper every single week for the past, I don't know, seven, eight months, that all they've ever done is put the number of uh, cases of infected in the state and the deaths. That's it. They don't tell you how many are recovered. They don't ever tell you that, oh, yes, there's a 99.84% mortality rate worldwide. They don't tell you that it's basically zero between the ages of 5 and 65. They never tell you these things. You can look them up. They're there. The statistics are there. But it's enough to scare people. All you have to do is tell them, you know, 200,000 dead and that's all you need. Now, you can come back and say, well, there's plenty of evidence that hospitals are fudging these numbers. That they get extra money, that they get extra support if they have more COVID cases and more COVID deaths. That we have numerous nurses and people in the medical profession screaming out about um, people being said to have a COVID death. They died from COVID when they really don't know what killed this person. If they thought they had come in contact with them and it was with the disease and the, the uh, cause of death was sort of unknown, they're just going to call it COVID. If they were ever diagnosed with COVID and they died from any other reason, they could be hit by a truck, it's going to get listed as a COVID death. Now, all of these things are happening and have been happening. Now, I don't know a percentage of these of the numbers of deaths are, are phony in that, yes, this person died specifically because of that disease, but I guarantee you there are some. And that number would cause the mortality rate to you know, go even lower, of course. But the, the point is, this is all Trump was trying to do. He's trying to have some semblance of sanity in approaching this problem. He never said it wasn't a problem. He never said, oh, this, this is not an issue. It's not killing people and nobody should do anything about it and just ignore it. He never said that. He never even came close to saying that. The media wanted you to believe that he said something like that, but he never did. You won't find a quote. He said, we don't have to be as afraid of this as we are. That's all he's ever said. And that the country needs to continue to move forward. And if it doesn't, we will die. We will suffer a massive catastrophic collapse that we cannot recover from. And it won't have anything to do with COVID. It will have everything to do with an economic collapse. And we cannot afford that. And we didn't need to risk it. This is not the Black Plague. This is not two-thirds or a third of Europe keeling over dead. It's including the young and the healthy. There, that there, you know, there's no combat. That's not what's happening here. You know, and that's all he was saying. But any disease, any virus, any um, international, any worldwide issue like this that hits so hard, uh, it's so difficult to overcome if you're in power. Um, it just is. It doesn't really even matter if they tie it to you or not. It's it, Everyone feels like they want a fresh start. They want to get as far away from it as possible. And that just includes the leadership at the time. And you can say Trump was in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and describe it to that if you'd like. But the bottom line is he was in power when this happened. And even though it had absolutely nothing to do with him, and let's not forget, he's the one who wanted to shut down travel from China very early and all the Democrats are screaming about him being xenophobic and racist and blah, 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 and don't do it. It, gee, you know what? If he had, maybe he wouldn't have hit us so hard. But anyway, bottom line is because of that, it's such a difficult hurdle to overcome. If you look through history and you look at leaders and presidents and kings and what have you, and when something major rocks that uh, civilization... Uh, regardless of what it is, if it's negative, it's wholly seen as wholly negative, a plague, a, a war, whatever, that leader doesn't last. Uh, whether, whether they're just flat out, 
you know, killed or ousted or voted out, they don't last. Um, and unfortunately, I really see that as Trump. And then, of course, he contracts the virus, which as far as Democrats are concerned, was proof positive that he was being too cavalier about the whole thing. And it was karma. And he got hit with this. And the first lady got hit with this. And the White House is spreading around the White House. And this is what happens when you don't take it seriously. They don't care that none of these people are dead and that they're all recovering quite well. And that none of them have died, nor do they show any signs of dying. They don't care about that. But, you know, bottom line is it happened. So that solidifies the Democrat vote in the minds of Democrats. And unfortunately, I think solidifies it in the minds of many people who were undecided. You know, they might have been on the fence. Then they see this and they're like, you know what? You, you guys are right. Trump was too nuts about this. He did not play this right. Now he gets hit with it. It's proof that he doesn't know what he's doing and it, it, we got to get rid of him. And the combination of all these factors, uh, again, I, I really think it's the, it's the, it's the coordinated smear campaign from the, uh, the education system, the entertainment industry, and the media that is having the most impact and has built and built and built over these four years, which was exactly their goal to begin with. Um, it, is, it has had its effect. And we're seeing it in the polls. Now, the only thing I can say is now about the silent majority, I know it exists. And we saw evidence of that, of course, in 2016 when the polls indicated that Hillary would win uh, and she didn't. Um, historically, polling takes place very much uh, in urban areas. Um, and those urban areas, those are the people, if you ask them if they've ever taken a political poll, they're far more likely to say that they have as opposed to people in rural areas. And of course, those in urban areas very often are more likely to vote Democrat, and uh, those in rural areas are more likely to vote Republican. Uh, that's just the way it is. So, of course, those polls are going to be naturally skewed to begin with. I think we need to remember that. And let me throw in as an aside that the it's no surprise to me that uh, Democrats in urban areas just keep rolling, although I can't figure out why the residents allow this to continue. Set, what is it, 17 of the top 20 most dangerous cities in the, in the country are Democrat-run, are Democrat strongholds? At what point do you finally say, as a citizen, go, you know what, this isn't working? If welfare worked, if all these assistance programs worked, more and more millions and millions of people wouldn't be on them every year. We wouldn't have generations of families on them. Do you know what percentage of people in this country have been on some form of assistance or, you know, one form of assistance or another in their lives? You would you'd be shocked. It's the majority of the country. Okay. On top of which, on top of which it's the majority of immigrants. It's the majority, and it's certainly the majority of illegal immigrants. How the hell they get assistance of any kind, how they qualify for it. Obviously there's loopholes and screw ups there is beyond me, but we waste billions on that. We waste billions on illegal immigrant healthcare. We waste billions on welfare. And that's only, that number's only getting higher. These assistance programs, if they're work the way they're supposed to, they're, we're supposed to uh, have people get on them for a while, get them back on their feet, get them working again. That's not what happens, obviously. As I've always said, need begets need. You give people something, they're going to think they should get it for the rest of their lives, and that is exactly what's happening. That is exactly what has happened. It doesn't work. The crime rates just keep going up. The, the poverty rate keeps going up. That is why all these Democrat-run cities are crap holes, and they can't seem to figure out that, gee, maybe their policies are wrong. But again, as I said at the start of the podcast, they can't admit when they're wrong. But anyway, getting back to my original point, yes, it's true that polling in Democrat areas is just more common. However, uh, the gap now is too large for me to think that it's only due to that. 
And um, yes, you're seeing Trump a little bit ahead in certain states, but it's concerning that he's so far behind in other states. It's like, okay, we've got you know, Trump only won certain states over Hillary by like by one percentage point. They're like three or four. And yes, it was a big surprise, and she was shown as winning those states, but again, not by anywhere near as much. And prior to the election, the gap wasn't as big. Um, and you throw COVID in, you throw the riots, you throw the four years of a coordinated assault smear campaign on the president, and uh, I'm sorry, but it works. And it has worked. Um, I know there's a silent majority, but I don't think it's enough. Now, again, I could be wrong. I hope I am. Um, one thing I will say is that if Biden gets in, uh, you're not going to see people rioting and looting the streets. You're not going to see businesses being burned and people being attacked. Why? Because right-wing people don't do that. They keep talking about white supremacy, uh, you know, advocates being violent. I, I don't even know where they are. Can we, do we see that happening? Can you show me people burning businesses who are white supremacists? Could you show that to me, please? Because I don't think it's there. Rioting and looting, I mean, it's like 90% of it, we all know is left-wing. We all, and a fair percentage of that is Antifa. We know this. It's obvious. It's in every single video we see. But I guess, uh, and, and that won't happen. That is not how we react. What you're probably going to see, if Trump loses, you're going to see a lot of expatriates. You're going to see a lot of people getting out of here. Um, because I think they just, it's, it's clear to them that the Democrats want to this to be a fascist world. They want to be the Nazis. They want to be, uh, have a one-party system. They want to keep you oppressed and down. They want to paint you as second-class citizens. They will treat you as such. Um, and it's, that's not the land of the free. It has nothing to do with it. They, they want it to be a one-party world. They, that's bottom line. And there's, that is far more frightening than their policies. It's one thing to say, oh, the policies are terrible. We need to fix that. It's another thing to deal with a party that are fascists, that treat you as if you're just cattle, that need to be like re-educated. They'd throw you in a camp and have you re-educated if they could. And they're going to try it. And they're going to basically try and pass every single insane socialist uh, anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-male thing that they can. They're the most racist people I've ever seen in my life, and it's going to get worse. And they're, you're just, that's why people are just going to leave. This has nothing to do with freedom anymore. You obviously don't want me here. Fine. I'm going. Now, some people would just further, you know, hunker down and say, to hell with this. I'll, I'll try and get through this and get another Republican president next time or whatever. But, and I suppose the best thing to hope for is that we keep, um, that they don't get control of the Senate. Uh, if, they have, if they're in the White House and they have control of both the House and the Senate, you might really have to leave. This place will be a smoking crater. There won't be anything left. These people can't function. They can't run anything. We've proven that. Everything gets worse. Every single statistic that matters in the world, in this country, goes the wrong way. It just does. It always does. It never works. It's amazing. And yet, they're going to try and push their crap. Um, but anyway, that's my spiel. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm sure it's still possible that Trump could win. I don't see it. This, this is my reasoning. If you think I missed something, by all means, let me know. And don't don't just say something that I've already addressed. Come up with something new, please. Um, and again, we can hope. But we do have to get to the polls. We do have to try at least. Uh, and, and again, remember, much of the Democrat vote has nothing to do with Biden and it's everything to do with Harris. They just want a black woman in there because of the most racist uh, sexist people in the world, uh, that's all they want. Um, they don't care about ability. They don't care about uh, 
ideals. They, they care about morals. They're morally bankrupt. We know this. They don't care about any of that. What they care about is getting a certain person that looks a certain way into power, and that's supposed to be a quality somehow or diversity or whatever crap they come up with. Um, but anyway, uh, I hope it doesn't happen, and uh, I hope everybody goes to the polls and votes because I think that's the only way. Um, and, you know, that's uh, hope is the only thing we're clinging to right now. So that's it. I will see you again next week. And in the meantime, uh, try to remain cheerful and optimistic. I know I will. Thank you.